Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of One Podcast Architecture and Design. I'm Deborah, and we are here with Stefano Casciani, editor in chief of Disegno, La Nuova Cultura Industriale, to delve into the amazing character of Giovanni Cellant, who recently passed away. He was one of the most outstanding Italian intellectuals of the 20th century, art historian, critic, and art curator, as well as a great traveler. His life could be measured in kilometers rather than days. He was the one who coined the term Arte Povera, poor art. In 1967, his manifesto Notes for a Guerrilla was published in Flash Art and then went on writing many articles and books on the subject. Stefano, how did you get to meet him, this heroic figure, as you call him in your article, and tell us about your secret memories dating back to when you had just graduated? You point out to my, to my youth uh, and, uh, of course, I had the chance later to know Germano Celant from um, all his a huge output of, of um, exhibitions and books and um, important um, projects uh, between architecture, art and design. Uh, we, we made of him one of the most important uh, um, um, figures in the 20th and 21st century. Uh, visual culture. Um, yeah, these memories are uh, really, really funny because, uh, I, in fact, uh, I was already a student. I, I was uh, graduating as a, as a industrial designer in the Easy Outform, which was the first industrial design uh, um, uh, postgraduate courses in Italy many, many years ago. I don't tell you how, how many. many exactly. And, <laughs> Yes, still so young. More than more than 40 years. Ago. <laughs> and uh, the school was created by Giulio Carlo Argano, who was a, another very important uh, figure of in <clears throat> Italian artistic culture. And uh, uh, our teacher, our professor of uh, visual design, was a painter actually <clears throat> who worked uh, in Milan. His name is uh, Umberto Bignardi. And uh, when he knew that I was going to, I had already decided to move to. To, to Milan, I started to um, work for Domus Magazine with Alessandro Mendini, and he told me, ah, but you, uh, you are in Milan, you have absolutely to meet Giovanni Celant, and uh, he gave me his um, phone number, I should still have his number somewhere in my <laughs> book notes, and uh, <clears throat> I, I actually tried to reach Germano, uh, and he, he used to live, and also he gave me the address, uh, maybe I also wrote some letters, and his address was in the address in Genova, of a small street, which is called Salita Regina, <laughs> uh, which is a, a small street in the historical center of uh, Genoa, and uh, I called uh, this number, I don't know how many times, but I could never reach him, actually. There was not even uh, an answering machine, I guess. And uh, in any case, this is just just a, a nice memory of my youth and of uh, an old time in Italian uh, design and visual culture, but just just to mean that uh, how, how difficult it was to reach him, because he was already traveling uh, all over the place. He was in, he worked in Milan. He traveled to different European to countries. He was already started. He already started. He had already started to curate um, widely in uh, not only in Italy. So, just just to mean uh, how much his uh, his uh, figure is connected, uh, as you say, to an international vision you know, of uh, design culture, of art 
and design culture. Since then, uh, many years passed, and then I had the chance to, to as I told you, to meet him. Uh, we also collaborated on an exhibition uh, about Gioponti. But uh, what, what I, was, uh, I was always very impressed by his uh, uh, attitude, which was a mixture of uh, uh, strong professionality. He has been one of the most uh, powerful uh, <laughs> machines <laughs> to create uh, exhibitions and books and projects, but also with a very nice uh, and fresh attitude, all, uh, always. And that's, uh, that, that made... Uh, that also has made my pain, no, of, miss, yeah. of losing such a, such an important uh, figure and a human being. I may have to say. And Stefan, how would you describe this personal and special relationship bridging architecture and art? Uh, this is, uh, I will, I will say, it's uh, uh, absolutely part of his DNA mm. as, a, as, a, as an intellectual. He started uh, very young to write and collaborated with magazine, and his first book actually was a book about Marcello Nizzoli, who was the uh, was more known as the main designer for Olivetti. Uh, office machines, typewriters, and so on. But uh, the personality, the Mizzoli, who came from art, actually. He started uh, in the early decades of the 20th century as a, as a painter, a futurist painter, actually. And since then, from, then, from that, he, he went on working also as a graphic designer, poster designer, and when he and uh, when he uh, got in contact with Olivetti, he became actually the most important figure for for this uh, wonderful and unfortunately gone uh, industry in terms of uh, output. So uh, uh, since this first book, it's clear that uh, Germano was uh, actually very, very interested in all the connections uh, between uh, the different um, disciplines of project from actually as I said from art to design to architecture and uh, along the years his attitude has been always uh, uh, an important a very important feature of all his work so in this respect uh, he has been a pioneer uh, because for you know for many many decades I would like that. I would say there was a sort of hierarchy, you know, in the arts. So art was the visual art, let's say, painter and sculpture were considered the the, uh, the art with the, the capital A. And then there was architecture, and then there was design, blah, 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 and so on. In, in the, the, the attitude of uh, Cherant was uh, the opposite. All arts are on the same level, uh, even if, um, even only for the fact that many uh, artists are also be designers and architects, especially in Italy. So uh, it, it's something that which I think, uh, of course, he got is uh, this uh, di- different attitude against actually the hierarchy of the arts. And, and this attitude, in some way, has deep roots in the Italian culture. I would like to say. We can say that he tied the knot with architects and especially with Frank Gehry, you told us, whose talent he spotted when he was still very young and unknown and sort of launched him in the architectural firmament. Uh, uh, well, the, the, the friendship of 
first of all uh, of Celan so with uh, with Gary is also part of his uh, of Germano <laughs> uh, biography because uh, when um, Celan started to have success of an articulator international level he started to to live uh, in the US for some for some uh, for some years in uh, Los Angeles first, and then to New York, where he became uh, curator of the Guggenheim uh, Museum. But before that, uh, he was living in Los Angeles, and he met Gary, who was already was still uh, uh, quite young and unknown architect, but an ar- a very special kind of architect who worked with uh, uh, simple material, ready-made. Uh, he, he designed and actually built his own house, which was sort of uh, huge ready-made. And this, in this respect, I think that uh, there was a, a fairly uh, strict uh, relationship between the, the the arte povera that uh, Germano actually, uh, let's say, discovered or at least launched on the international scene of uh, the arts, and this very special attitude of uh, of Gary, and also sort so of from, sculptural architecture, the very yeah, very very yeah, yeah, because uh, I'm sure that his first uh, buildings were. Uh, quite uh, amazing for for the for the time, for the, um, yeah, for the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and since from that, of course, Gary moved to this uh, very strong sculptural uh, approach to the architectural design, uh, also allowed by the new uh, computer-aided uh, design tools and techniques. But everything starts from the, from this point, and, and so from this friendship. Uh, Chelant uh, started to to promote the work of Gary, uh, still with exhibition. And when uh, when Germano became uh, a curator of the Guggenheim Museum, he pushed, I guess, quite a lot for uh, the Guggenheim to consider uh, Frank Gary mm-hmm. as a designer for uh, for for Guggenheim. And in fact, uh, the the huge, the big uh, success of uh, of Frangeri, who made of him one of the most important architects in the history of these two centuries, was the Guggenheim in Bilbao. Uh, I don't have to say the story of how Bilbao and the Basque countries of Spain uh, had the chance to to build a new, huge and important museum with the Guggenheim. Which changed its fact, destiny uh, as becoming a yeah, sort of changed, destination. many destinies, yes, mm. because it changed in some way. It was also a very important step for Bilbao to become an international city. See. It was a very important uh, fact for Gary to be able to build such a huge, huge uh, construction and to connect... Uh, the, and how to say to make real the idea of Germano of this uh, collaboration between the arts because uh, the Guggenheim Bilbao Museum is in itself a huge sculpture uh, even for the from the materials to the composition to the how the interiors are organized so you enter the Guggenheim Bilbao and you already feel like entering sculpture of course and uh, and from that this this um, in some way yeah i would like to say gary is the first uh, the epitome is it uh, an english word epitome the, yes <laughs> yeah of the of the the paradigm of the this collaboration between an archivator like a and uh, 
uh, an art architect, I don't know how to say, <laughs> like uh, Frangheri. And Stefano, he curated many exhibitions on Italian art, including Identité Italienne, L'Art en Italie depuis 1969, at the Centre Georges Pompidou, for instance, Italian art at Palazzo Grassi in Venice. But we cannot get away without mentioning Italian Metamorphosis, 1943-1968 at the Guggenheim Museum in New York, and so on and so forth. He was director of the Venice Biennale. Tell us a bit more about his managerial talent to organize art exhibitions. Yes, so this is also a very <clears throat> uh, peculiar feature of the work of Cherant, which made him uh, a very respected figure, but also, <laughs> I guess, created a sort of envy for this capacity, for this capacity he had. But uh, this, uh, this attitude, uh, sort of entrepreneurial or managerial <laughs> attitude, is mm. this part, I think, of his... Uh, education uh, from, from from working in uh, in the US he, of course he had a strong personality he was a very skilled uh, professional art, man art mm-hmm. critic uh, mm-hmm. yes he had a huge uh, uh, huge culture and very and, but also a very precise attitude his, uh, his studies his books his exhibition are always very precise in defining um, facts and uh, ideas of both artists and architects and so he was able to match uh, huge uh, artistic culture with a strong professional attitude and so rational and emotional business and business yes (laughs) (laughs) business uh, heart and money i would like to say (laughs) because uh, in in some way is the the huge difference between um, uh, european and american culture also in the arts is, is, is this point uh, is you can you cannot only be a, a very good uh, art uh, critic or artist you don't only have to be very skilled in your in your uh, art but you also have to be able to cope with the business which is more and more important mm-hmm. um, in the last uh, decades for for the arts and not only for the arts and um, but I don't think it was only for the money. I think he had a huge vision. I, you, could, you could even call them uh, utopias because uh, in, in some way, in this idea of the connection between uh, the art is part of an uh, utopistic idea. In fact, one, man, one exhibition which is not... Uh, uh, not anymore so famous, but very important for all of his work mm-hmm. was his uh, exhibition uh, held uh, in uh, Venice for the Art Biennale, which was called uh, Ambiente Arte. And it was the first recollection of uh, many important projects from artists from uh, from Kandinsky to mm-hmm. Van Desburg, uh, all the art, all the environments that uh, the artists of the historical avant-garde in Europe created, and that was the idea of uh, Germano, that was a project of Germano, and he was able actually to build, to rebuild all, all many of these environments in the Biennale, so a huge, uh, concrete, no, actual, real manifestation of what were the ideas. Uh, and uh, since from that exhibition, I think uh, uh, Trelant was uh, under- learned how to create such huge and, and big and important exhibitions, which is, is not so easy anymore in the last years because of the 
questions of budget, uh, yeah, yes. uh, borrowing uh, the artworks from the museum and all the problems that we know very well now. Huge efforts to organize such yes, yes, wide events. But, it, but, in, but that, 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 that was the strength of Cerranti uh, also, the very, I guess, uh, even physical strength to to cope with these rhythms and uh, traveling and working and uh, mm-hmm. uh, building uh, exhibitions and so on. In fact, is uh, uh, one another feature of his um, work is the strict uh, collaboration with uh, different architects and designers for also for the installation of the exhibition. I worked with uh, uh, Gary, of course, with Guy Olenti, with the Italo Rota, and... Uh, so gigantic efforts, gigantic names. Yes, yes, yes. And, and again, uh, as we said, the capacity as a manager, no? when you have to build uh, yeah. <laughs> some uh, thousand square meters exhibition with an important museum, with all the um, collecting works from the uh, collecting artworks from different uh, museums, you can imagine how, how, how much work is in such a, uh, an activity. Very so sort of scientific that, that, schedule. You have to be able to, you know, to schedule and organize sort of timetable and put all these people together and plan yes, all the work. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of responsibility, but uh, uh, Chedant uh, was able to <laughs> to face this uh, responsibility because he's a, he had big ideas for big projects and uh, he, was a, he had a big heart and a big mind, of course, to, to, so, to face this level of uh, complexity. And, uh, he, he mastered the and, skills. <laughs> and just to add another little um, piece to the puzzle, from 1993, more or less, I think, on uh, Chelant served as artistic director of the Prada Foundation in Milan, which began yes. once again with his relationship with the museum as an architectural project and then his encounter with um, Ram Colas. And under his leadership, the foundation over the years presented top shows. So what, yes. uh, what do you think about it? How uh, I don't know. How, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm always being curious of how the connection between Ceyland uh, and uh, the Prada family, Mucha Prada and Patrizio Bertelli happened, but I guess uh, it's probably, it was probably uh, Mucha Prada and Patrizio went to talk to Ceyland because he was, in fact, the most uh, important uh, Italian slash international mm-hmm. art curator. And they started uh, in the facilities of the Prada um, offices in Milan, in the mm-hmm. Spartaco, and they had a, a, they already had a space that they used for uh, uh, fashion shows, and uh, it started to work uh, as a location for the exhibition. Uh, the first, uh, the very first exhibition they they put on was uh, about a less known but still important uh, Italian artist. His name is. Uh, Eliseo Mattiacci, and he started mm. as a performer, but in the area of, uh, still in the area of the Arte Povera, but then he moved to a more sculptural uh, kind of work, and his exhibition was very interesting because it was showing a different side of, uh, of an artist. And, and seeing from that, they went on with uh, always more important exhibitions and they show they put on shows by Laurie Anderson, mm. uh, the multimedia artist, uh, which was a, a beautiful, beautiful. I, I've, got, I've got to see all these exhibitions <laughs> because I live in Milan, so was, I was able, and I, of course, I'm a journalist and art critic, so I was able to yeah. follow this, this part and it's actually amazing how they were able to build uh, 
the identity of Fondazione Prada until when uh, in the early decades of the uh, 21st century <laughs> we are living now uh, they started uh, started a collaboration between uh, Prada and uh, Trailand and uh, Herzog and Emeron and uh, uh, Rain Coolers mm. and uh, they started uh, with researches uh, um, Herzog and Emeron designed uh, a building for Prada in Tokyo um, Rain Coolers designed uh, a huge uh, uh, showroom uh, and uh, for uh, Prada in New York, mm-hmm. and from that came this uh, very close affinity between uh, Prada and Renculas. And then, when was the time to actually build a new museum that they wanted to build for the Fondazione Prada? It was uh, Renculas who was appointed, and from that uh, there was uh, this um, again uh, this uh, tight collaboration between the. Uh, curator, curatorial project by Celant and the uh, architectural project by Renculas. So also in this respect, uh, of course, Renculas is an important architect that everybody knows. And uh, in this respect, uh, is, uh, again, you can see the the, the difference no, of the attitude yeah. of mm-hmm. Celant towards uh, uh, big projects and um, the area where the where the new museum for the Fondazione Prada is built is a former industrial area, it's the center of an important uh, urbanistic development. It started uh, almost uh, 10 years ago. So it's another, it's another Italian <laughs> international story now because yeah. it was not, uh, Rome was not built uh, in a day, and even Fondazione <laughs> Prada was not built, built in, in a day, day because, and uh, I don't want to talk about the, the peculiarity of Italian issues, uh, building or not building, but that's part, that's part of the success of both. Uh, and its capacity to work in Prada. team, no, if you want, yes, that you had yes. learned we, 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 from architectural had, uh, practice. Yeah, we had, uh, I, when I was uh, in the last years of my uh, direction of at Domus, editorial direction of Domus magazine, uh, I, we published a long interview with Shailan. In this, uh, in this uh, uh, interview, he remarks the importance of the team work, which is, uh, which is not only a matter of, um, Professional, professionality, but also a matter of uh, creating, uh, in French, uh, esprit de corps, not creating networks, relationships, yeah, yes, creating a team spirit. Between, uh, yeah, between different uh, uh, skills, between different persons. But what is important is also to, to create this uh, team spirit. And I think that uh, Germano was also very skilled in creating this. Uh, uh, um, empathy between different uh, people in um, smaller or bigger groups with a common uh, goal, which is the exhibition, the book, uh, or even <laughs> a, complete, a, a complete museum. Just to close up our um, interviews, our talk, yes. we would like to mention and pay homage to yet another unique artist and land artist who died just a few years ago. Uh, Christo, um, yes. we were just reading that Chalant started to work on the project of the floating piers designed by mm-hmm. Christo and Jean-Claude at the Lago di Zeo uh, right yes. back in 2014. So he was like really a visionary man right through the end, wasn't he? Yes, yes, 
Yes, uh, that, that's that's part of the. There is, a, yeah, every, oh, we are all very sorry of the loss of uh, Christo, which was a, a fantastic uh, person and incredible uh, creative uh, artist, and also uh, um, uh, another symbol of this uh, collaboration between the arts, because his project mm. uh, you can, of course. Uh, you define Christo's uh, projects and uh, works, uh, built works as art, but in the installations to, to, to complete, yeah, to complete mm -hmm. such a, an important installation between our uh, sort of uh, um, dialogue now mm -hmm. between nature and uh, and uh, design, in some way, is a challenge to the nature, yeah. no? Because a one transforming of his most, uh, landscaping. Yes, and, one mm. of his uh, most uh, early and most famous works is uh, the Valley Carton, which is actually a huge <laughs> carton uh, built between uh, two uh, hills in, in the United States. Oh, yeah. And uh, the story of this project is incredible because, of course, the the wind blows through the through the hills. And they were um, actually very, very, very hard uh, <laughs> uh, issues in uh, completing the, the 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 work, the work. which mm -hmm. is a, a long, I don't know, many uh, hundred uh, meters long, and uh, and also this challenge. You now, Christo always wanted to challenge uh, politics uh, he, when he made the, the, the package in French, the wrapping. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yes, of the Pont Neuf uh, in, mm. in Paris, there is a uh, mm. there is a in, uh, in ter uh, there is a, a movie actually which tells the story, which is incredible. His wife Jean Claude was very important always in uh, in also collaborating uh, on the projects, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful love art story. Mm. Uh, Big woman behind the man. Yes, important. Yes. Quite close to the man, not, not, not so much behind. <laughs> not behind, so the step, just no, a step, no, no, not, not so even behind. half a step. It's side by side. Personality, and in fact, it was a was a very sad loss. So she died quite a much earlier than, mm. than Christo. In so, 2009. But, yeah, but to go back to the to the question of uh, the, the art curator and uh, and the artist, uh, in fact, also the floating piers on, on, on the Iseo li lake mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. are, are the project was curated by Chelant. We I think he was also helping in creating the right uh, connections uh, to, to actually make the project real. Yeah, it's, it's another it's another symbol of this like, strong empathy between Chelant and uh, an important artist like uh, like Cristo and uh, and and the world which uh, you know the world is just there <laughs> the world in terms of audience of uh, spectators of visitors and the world is there just waiting for something exceptional and uh, of course the, the floating piers were a very very strong uh, success also in terms of media because Italy okay, of course we have a huge uh, culture we have a beautiful museum we have a lot of uh, of uh, places where you can see wonderful artworks, but we, we miss uh, a bit you now these um, special projects uh, uh, 
uh, activity, and in this case, there was a sort of uh, demonstration by Chelant and obviously by by Christo of uh, how, how how much the the artist can uh, succeed upon the the everyday reality. That's that's why you. Who, who so the fact, factively, yeah, working on the water, you know, some, mm. we know someone was able to do exactly one guy was able to do exactly it. sort of with a similar a, name a, back in history. Yeah, he, let's say he was a. He had a strong recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <they had> connection <laughs> Italy, with the superior so, world. Yeah, v- yes, yes, very strong high connection. connection. High so, protection. And, and, and this idea of uh, walking on water, in fact, uh, with, uh, the, no, you know, there's also some humor because when you, when you think of building, uh, of making uh, hundreds of uh, people walk on water, there is a sort of also irony, you know, of humor, and that's part of the, yeah. that's part of the beauty of the work of, uh, Cristo and uh, the curatorial work of Chelland. I would like to say, if we are going to a conclusion, that in some way Chelland was also an artist. Because when mm. you are not only able to understand uh, how the artist's mind works, but when you are able to imagine no, as a curator, yeah. uh, uh, scenarios and themes and uh, ideas and topics where you can build upon an exhibition in some way also become at, at this very high level how Chelant uh, was. I think you, in your in your uh, in, uh, inside, deep inside yourself, you are also an artist. So he created sort of human and architectural landscapes in, in, yeah. through his. Um, Curatorial shape and through his uh, art work yeah, displays. Yeah, the, the, the curator so and the artist become one, one person, sort of one person. And that's very difficult Unique. and also mm. very beautiful, yes, so. but, but very, very beautiful. So his place cannot be replaced, his loss cannot be replaced we, we don't know. by we someone don't know. else. It's, it's going to be very uh, tough. Yeah, my. my, my, uh, my Thanks to my article, you know, one starts exactly with this question, who else would, who could be able mm. to replace Chelant? And of course, the answer is no one, because uh, um, not, not because of uh, um, uh, idolatry or uh, cult of the personality, but because actually such a career uh, uh, as the one uh, that Chelant was able uh, um, to build he crossed the, he traveled across the years and the decades of the, the probably the, some of the most uh, stimulating decades no we had the in the 20s and okay in the 10s and the 20s and the 30s of the last century with the, the historical avant-garde and after the war after the few years after the war started this new kind of uh, art movement started over uh, radical architecture which we did not talk about what was another uh, artistic phenomenon in Italy which uh, Chelant was uh, involved with and uh, so in this uh, late uh, 60s and 70s avant-garde are actually the the movements that uh, uh, Chelant was able to work with in some way also created and it's you, you don't build such a such a, uh, experience from from scratch. So it takes a long time. So maybe there will be an answer to this question in some decades. I we don't know now. For the time being, is one of a kind. So yes, yes, for sure. Thank you, thank you so much, Stefano, for Thank sharing you. your Let story. Me talk about a very 
a very nice man and a very sort of friend and a very respectable, absolutely respectable figure in the art. We will cherish him, we will cherish your story and hopefully pass Chelant's small utopia on to future generations, at least we hope so. Keep following us on one.listenergiordano.com and our podcasts are on all the major digital platforms. Until next time, bye-bye from Deborah.